0: Welcome to the Debrief podcast with Matt Brown. The podcast where pastor and author Matt Brown debriefs your questions about Christianity
1: and current issues shaping our culture. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show.
0: Well, welcome back to another episode of the Debrief Debrief podcast. This is Tammy Brown.
1: Yes, pastor uh, I'm your Matt's husband.
0: Wife and I get to be a co-host today, so thank you for having me. Before we get into questions this week, we are going to talk about your book that's coming out. Oh yeah, soon, huh? In March, um, yes, the first week of March, which also happens to be our 28th wedding anniversary and week, your birthday and my Five-O. 50th birthday. Yep. So it's a big milestone week on a lot of fronts for us. So, mm-hmm. um, are there any updates that you want to give the listeners today?
1: Yeah, so I did uh, my first podcast with somebody who actually read the book. That was nice. So I've been doing these podcasts and they haven't read the book. And I got some really great feedback and that was nice. And the guy told me, he said, hey, this is a really great book. And actually his favorite chapter, and you know, I, I like all the chapters, but his favorite chapter was actually on our staff member, Natasha, and just her story of crying out to God. And he asked me so many questions on the soul cry. I thought that was really incredible. Mm-hmm. And um, if you want to know what a soul cry is, you got to buy the book, but um, he was really moved by that. And so that was a lot of fun, just getting some positive feedback from people. Um, cause you know, people that like me will probably like the book, hopefully, um, hopefully. Ho- hopefully you'll buy it. But, uh, but when someone who doesn't know you, who's never heard of you and said, Hey, I read this book. I really liked this really challenged me. I, you know, he was like, I think other people need to, um, read this. And he really wanted to talk about how people can use it specifically in praying for people that aren't Christians. And I thought that was fantastic that he really oh, kind of caught on to what I'm saying is, Look, these, your friends and family might not come to church, but they are willing to, you know, let you pray for them. And I told them the story about when you and I prayed over our friends up in Idaho who are not in church, mm-hmm. and one is of a different religion. Mm-hmm. And I, I shared with that story. I'm being specifically vague, if you're wondering, because these people did not give me permission to tell the story. But you remember when you and I were sitting there, and this woman is just sobbing, mm-hmm. battling this condition. And I said, would it be okay if we prayed over you in Jesus' name? Mm-hmm. And so the husband of a different religion pops up out of his chair, comes over, joins us, lays hands on his wife as we pray over his wife in Jesus' name. It was very, very profound. Mm-hmm. And that's what I would just encourage everybody is, everybody's not religious until they need God. And then when you need God, the doors fling open and people are mm-hmm. just desperate and open. And here's what I said is, if you need a miracle, what do you have to lose? Like right. if, if you know, I think about Natasha's story when, a very, very famous uh, hospital here in Southern California, the leading cancer hospital in Southern California. I mean, probably some other hospitals would debate that. But, you know, I think about when you go to the City of Hope and they say, there's no hope. I mean, think yeah, about that. discouraging. That's discouraging. And so, yeah, so in the book, they wouldn't let me write that because that's i guess disparaging to the city of hope but our listeners get that for free um but you know so she comes to us in in that in that prayer session where you know she came for me to be her pastor and at some point she became the pastor and i'm just watching this soul with everything stripped away talk to god
0: Mm -hmm. and i got
1: to be i got to be on the bus to watch that prayer go to heaven and that's what i talked Mm -hmm. about and you know, it's sad that it takes disease and desperation to get us there, but oftentimes that's why God allows um, suffering to happen. And so hopefully you guys will enjoy the book, but it's been good. I haven't, I haven't gotten any negative feedback Which at all. It's
0: fantastic. Yeah. That always hasn't and been from, the case. That's, and from, that's, from a, yeah, that's typically not the case. Yeah. From
1: very a very good. wide perspective of mm-hmm. Christians. Um
0: I would say one of the things I think is special about this book is we all believers read Christ- um, scripture And you hear about what God did then, Mm -hmm. back then, the miracles he did. And every chapter in this book is a miracle that we've gotten to witness in just our Mm -hmm. lifetime or be a part of. And so I think that's really special. And what I think it will do is give hope. Yeah. Like if God's still in the business of doing miracles now and we've seen them, um, the thing I'm excited about for this book is I think we've forgotten to have eyes to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and we take a lot of miracles that God does and things he does, like their happenstance or like we got lucky. Mm-hmm. And we haven't had that like awe of God mm-hmm. of what he can still do. Tell me, I have two things for you on the book I'm curious about, and then we'll jump into these questions. Yeah, Do you have a favorite story out of them? Yeah,
1: I mean... They're My all they're all amazing, but you know, I think about when God allowed me to see a little eighteen month old toddler come back to life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't I, I can't for describe that. for our listeners what that's like to pray over a corpse and say, In Jesus' name, and then like I, I, I say this not in the only book
0: back to life. Yeah, but back healed, back to health. Yeah,
1: back to health and no nothing damage, is wrong with this yeah. kid after not breathing for eight hours. And I remember seeing the doctor, and I don't have his permission to use his name, but the surgeon who who um, who had done the surgery, and so he 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 had left surgery because he could not personally handle the guilt of telling families your loved one died, so he went into cosmetic surgery. I asked him, "What do you do?" He says, "I make mountains out of molehills." So you can, you can kind of guess what, what he does, but so here he is, right? So he, he does breast augmentation for a living. He's donated his time for free to come Mm -hmm. with us on this mission trip. And guess what happens? He kills a kid on accident. And I remember right when this little young man came back to life, the doctor, and I don't have permission to use his name. He looks at me with tears in his eyes because he's in the corner of the room. He just was, mm-hmm. was just grief-stricken. Room. He said, it's just like in the Bible. It's just mm-hmm. like the stories in the Bible. And I wrote that in the book. But so that, that that's the most profound thing to me. And for two reasons, you know, every miracle is miraculous. But being, But being able to be a part of one and see one instantaneously. Mm. And just so you know, all the miracles are not instantaneous in the yeah. book. Um, you know, I think about Mitch's story. He had to wait three years. Um, Natasha's story is ten year. It's a ten year journey.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, she's still living yeah. out her story. Yeah, she's
1: still living out her story. Um, you know, I think about so many of the people. You know, but they're just amazing miracles and just incredible stories. And mm-hmm. I mean, I can't, I, I can't for describe that. for our listeners what that's like to pray over a corpse and say in Jesus' name, and then. Like I, I say this not in a book. Not only
0: back to life. Yeah,
1: but back healed. Back to health. Yeah, back to health, and no nothing damage, is wrong with this yeah. kid after not breathing for eight hours. And I remember seeing the doctor, and I don't have his permission to use his name, but the surgeon who, who, um, who had done the surgery, and so he, he, he had left surgery because he could not personally handle the guilt of telling families your loved one died. So he went into cosmetic surgery. I asked him, "What do you do?" He says, "I make mountains out of molehills." So you can, you can kind of guess what,
0: what he does, but so here he is,
1: right? So he, he does breast augmentation for a living. He's donated his time for free to come Mm -hmm. with us on this mission trip. And guess what happens? He kills a kid on accident. And I remember right when this little young man came back to life, the doctor, and I don't have permission to use his name. He looks at me with tears in his eyes because he's in the corner of the room. Mm-hmm. He just was, mm-hmm. was just grief stricken. He said, it's just like in the Bible. It's just mm-hmm. like the stories in the Bible. And I wrote that in the book. But so that, that that's the most profound thing to me. And for two reasons, you know, every miracle is miraculous. But being, But being able to be a part of one and see one instantaneously. Mm-hmm. And just so you know, all the miracles are not instantaneous in the yeah. book. Um, you know, I think about Mitch's story, he had to wait three years, um, Natasha's story is 10 year. it's a 10 year journey.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, she's still living yeah. out her story. Yeah, she's
1: still living out her story. Um, you know, I think about so many of the people, you know, but they're just amazing miracles and just incredible stories. And, and so what we're doing is we're making a request. But here's what I guarantee, no matter what you ask for, you you may not receive the miracle you want, but you will receive the miracle you need. And and God has been in that. Yeah, that and is so, such
0: a shift in just the way we look yeah, at it. And
1: moment. that's what I was convicted on, on my chapter on waiting. I was like, because, um, you know, I had I had a major disappointment, uh, I think it was about a year and a half ago, for something that I felt like God said was going to happen in my life, and it did not happen. Mm-hmm. And I really wrestled with that. And, and all of us that get knows. You know, we ask God for something and we get a no and it's like, okay, Lord. And here I am a year and a half later and there's healing now. And I go, okay, I can, I can, I can handle this. And I can trust that Romans 8, 28, you know, um, God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and and call him are and are called according to his purpose. But what God works for good is he conforms us to the image of his Mm -hmm. son. And I see how through disappointment and disaster, God has conformed me to the image of his son and he's changed me. And here's the sad thing. If God would have said yes to that miracle that I was asking for, this book would have never been written.
0: Hmm.
1: And that's the thing that was so profound to me. I sat there and I thought, because you can only write profound things, I believe, in pain. It's just, I don't think success changes us. Yeah, I just don't believe that success is all that helpful. For us, in terms mm-hmm. of becoming like Jesus, but pain and disappointment is profound. And Absolutely. you know, I think about—I um, think it's chapter one. I talk about Horatio Spatford um, and, and nobody knows his name. He's been dead a long time, but
0: like, um, yeah, he bad? lost.
1: Well, he lost <laughs> his <laughs> Me son. And everyone in the room. He lost oh, yeah, his son, totally yeah, in is. the famous fire in, in Chicago, and then he lost okay. his four daughters off the coast of Ireland in a oh, uh, boat yes. accident. Now I know
0: who you're talking. And so about. he went to the
1: spot, and when when sorrows like sea billows roll. It is well oh, with my soul. my soul. So he wrote those words
0: in and, the midst and, of like excruciating yeah, excruciating loss pain. And and pain. And so nobody knows
1: who he is, but they know who his what his song is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you know, God works through tears. And um, and there's just something there's just something profound about that. And again, anybody suffering, I don't wish that on you, but but know that you know. So 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 if you're an atheist and you're suffering, it has no meaning. It just life sucks. If there is a God and he is good and he is moving us all towards resurrection, there is meaning in this. So, What
0: is the line you said? You might not get the miracle. You
1: want, but you will get the miracle you need.
0: That's great. Yeah,
1: and so that that's what I would say um, for everyone. That's the most important message of this book. The secondary message is anybody that says, I didn't get an answer to prayer, I just want you to say, yeah, you did. Every prayer mm-hmm. is answered. That
0: might be a hard pill to swallow. I know. I've heard. A lot of us. I've
1: heard <laughs> pastors say it. I've heard good Christians say it. Oh, mm-hmm. God didn't answer that prayer. Mm-hmm. Yes, He did. It just wasn't the answer you wanted. Okay. Every prayer is instantly answered with one of three things: yes, no, or wait.
0: That's good. That's
1: but good. Um, okay. and here's the thing is, and and we don't like no's. Jesus didn't like the no He got, and I specifically talk about Him in the Garden uh, of of Gethsemane. So.
0: I so for people's pre-orders, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, they can go pre-order the book Everyday a Miracle um at everydayamiraclebook.com. Yeah.
1: Yeah, or just go straight to Amazon or either go way. straight to Amazon. Yeah.
0: So you can pre-order that now. I I believe the release date, the official release date is March 6th cuz I did pre-order oh, your book I think my March love. it's March 5th. Yes, yeah. And my Amazon account already says yeah, it's, it's being its processed, so I'm super excited about that. So Of course, I'm your biggest fan, and I think there's everyone should read this book. What's special to me about this book is that you wrote every single word, where everyone knows this about you, that you're an incredible communicator, and you can speak from the platform well and teach in that way well. That doesn't always translate to writing. In your first book, a book called You, that was sort of a mix of some transcription from some messages. Then you added to that, whereas this book, every word is not a series that we've preached, but it is your heart for yeah. this message and this book. And it is so special. And everyone who has read it has just come back to you completely in awe of it. So I'm super excited. So if you want to pre-order that, I'll sell this for you. Pre-order yeah. that at miraclebook.com or Amazon. Yeah,
1: and get, a, and-, and get a couple and go through it with some friends. Because, um, you know, I talked about this in church last week about why groups are so important you know, if you want something to truly transform you, you got to talk about it. Mm-hmm. If you don't, mm-hmm. you're going to forget, you're going to forget 90% of what you read or 90% of what you heard yeah. within an hour after reading it or mm-hmm. hearing it. And so if you really want something to, to sink in, talk about it, wrestle through it. And then if you want to go to another level, take another group through it and teach it.
0: Mm-hmm. And we are going to be asking yeah. people if they want to go through groups and doing some special things here for that. So, okay. You ready to jump in yes. to today's questions? Mm-hmm. I think all of these questions this episode are from people in Riverside, except this first one from Valerie in Merino Valley. And Valerie asks, for emotional health, what would Jesus say about mental illness? Would he say it is real and not made up? Or would he support the idea of a non-Christian, wait, and would he support the idea of a non-Christian counseling and therapy? So basically, does Jesus think mental illness is real and does he support therapy even non-Christian therapy?
1: Yeah, so I would say, and so I, I believe this is uh, chapter 10 in the book, The Complex Nature of Healing. Oh, nice that and, way. <laughs> Yeah, so um, so thank you for your question. Is it Anne? Valerie. Valerie from MoVal. So Valerie from MoValley. Mo um, thank you for your question. I think that for far too long, there's been this huge divorce from the medical community and the church. And so the medical community, right, uh, mm-hmm. they view faith and Christianity like a pathology because a lot of crazy people talk about God. So if you're around crazy people they talk about God, they talk to demons, they talk to devils and um uh, I think maybe that's cuz they see him more accurately than we do. I know I was going to say. So I know that's your just that's just that. <laughs> that's just my perspective there. But what it leads doctors to do is to believe that it's all a hallucination. And so you have the medical community on the left that sees you like a biological vehicle, your car, you come in for a tune-up, they get the chemicals right, psh, you know, you're fixed. Um and I, I just think that's a huge mistake. But then in the church we think everything's a prayer. Everything's just faith about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. what I would say to Val is, if a child needs glasses, we could pray for healing. We could ask God for a miraculous healing of their vision. And if we get a no, we get them glasses. And so that's why what I would do is, let's pray about it. Let's talk to God about it. And if that doesn't work, then let's do whatever we can to pursue healing. And that includes going to see, you know, your general practitioner doctor, your MD. Mm -hmm. But that may include going to see a, a counselor or a psychiatrist. Now, I prefer... Christian counselors and psychiatrists. But Christians are just like any other people. There's some idiots among them. So if I had to choose between a competent non-Christian counselor and an incompetent Christian counselor, I would go with the competent non-Christian mm-hmm. because I think you you need therapy. Get your church from your church. Get your therapy from mm-hmm. your therapist. And so I, I I tell this all the time to our pastors is we are not therapists. Mm-hmm. We cannot diagnose and treat mental illness. We can pray Mm -hmm. over people in the name of Jesus. And sometimes God does some miraculous work. But Val, what I talk in that book is when we look at the story of Legion, Jesus walks us through Mm -hmm. three specific things that that man needed. Now, the church historically is just focused on casting out the demon. But Jesus does some other things that that man specifically needs. And one of the things, Val, is he sits down with him on a log and is talking to him.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: That is counseling. Mm -hmm. He's counseling him. He's now in his right mind, but he's Never still, like that. yes, but he still has needs. And and so the 12 disciples, right? He counseled them for three years. So we all need counseling. The scripture says repeatedly, counsel one another. It's actually a biblical word that's been adopted by the medical community to help people. Um, and so so I would say, yes, 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 yes. Get the help you need, get the help you need. If you're, if you're fat and out of shape, you don't just need prayer at church, you need a gym. You need exercise. We have to explore everything that we can do to fix our bodies, to fix our minds. And in the case of church, you know, all of our friends at the gym that never come to church, you've got to exercise your soul. Mm-hmm. So you are a complex creature. And, and what the medical community is missing is the soul. They're completely missing the soul aspect. Mm-hmm. And we, we don't understand that. We just don't. Um, so the medical community gets some things about healing wrong. The church community gets some things about healing wrong. I'm hoping, Val, that this book can bring those two things together. Um, But I'll say this, uh, a lot of the the work that people do is they simply get on medication. And I I bring this up in the book. Let's say I wanna get buff and I go and I buy steroids. So I go down to Mexico and I get some steroids and I start taking the steroids, but I don't go to the gym and work out. Guess what happens?
0: Mm.
1: Nothing. My hormones have changed, but my body will not grow physically if I don't exercise it. So that's what we do with people with mental illness. We give them the steroid, but we don't mandate the exercise. Mm. You have to have both. You have to have, you know, the Zoloft or whatever. And then now you gotta jump in and do the work. You gotta do the physical exercise. You gotta do the emotional exercise. You gotta do the spiritual exercise. And people don't wanna hear that because everybody wants change without effort.
0: Yeah, it just unfortunate. I mean, I fall into that, but I am learning be different, as you know. So. Yeah. Six
1: months. You're my, you're my rock star now.
0: Six months of weight training with and my, a better attitude. my husband, who's a trainer, who and has had to challenge me on my attitude, um, a small handful of times at the gym. Okay. Next question is from Zachary from Riverside. He says, is worshiping Jesus, worshiping a human? It's a great thought. Should we be worshiping a human or God, the father? How could the glory of God be contained in a human?
1: yeah so zachary i'm wondering you know i'm um, and i can't pastor you and remember a podcast is not a person so i'm wondering if maybe you have a jehovah witness background so this feels very jehovah witness to me mm-hmm. um and so i don't know so maybe you can write back into the show it's a great question what we if we go to john chapter one verse one in the beginning was the word and the word was god and the word was with or excuse me In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's John
0: 1.1.
1: And so um, what John is saying from the beginning to the end is that for us to fully comprehend who God is, he had to become a human being so we could comprehend him. Specifically, now listen to this, the language in John chapter one, it's not just that he dwelt among us in our English, it's that he tented amongst us. So if you're a Hebrew listener, where does God first appear in the book of Exodus? It's not in a temple. What is it? Do You know, it's a tent. I did,
0: but I didn't want yeah. to say.
1: It's called a tabernacle. <laughs> <The>
0: tabernacle. So <laughs> in, everyone listening knows yeah, I didn't know. <laughs>
1: in the book. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't, pre, I didn't preview that. So in the book of Exodus, what happens? The people of God meet, meet the person of God in, in a tent, yeah. in a tent. So we call it a tabernacle. So it's you're a saying
0: tent. tent. T-E-N-T, like a tent. Tent.
1: He tabernacled amongst us. Mm. So that's what he did. Um, But if I say tabernacle and not tent, we all, you know, we're we're always, it's it's the fact is that he dwelt among us. So, you know, when you have a tent, what do you do? You have people in, you gather together, and that's where you connect. And so that's what it is in John 1. So some other uh, great places to go would be Hebrews chapter 1. Um, You know, uh, there's a great verse, uh, and you guys check my, I'm, I'm just spouting these off. Titus 2.13, um, we await the return of our great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Jehovah Witnesses will say, well, it's the it's the it's great our great God and the Lord Jesus Christ, but there's this thing in Greek called the Granville Sharp rule. And what the Granville Sharp rule is, it helps us to understand when God says, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the Bible is not talking about a God of Abraham and a God of Jacob. And a God. So, because then you would have three gods. Mm-hmm. It's talking about, the Granville Sharp rule is when you have two nouns separated by, uh, and a conjunction. One conjunction, it's talking about the same thing. So, our great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, he is both, he's both. Mm. And so, that's a specific verse. And there's really no way around that in the Greek. And I know the Jehovah Witnesses have their own translation, and they really retry really there. But you need to know, for anyone who's a Jehovah's Witness, no, no other denomination, no other theologians work on their translations. It's just their little group. Uh, they don't publish who these theologians are. It's not academically sound. It's not real. It's not a real interpretation. Um, you know, Mormons are guilty of this same thing, oftentimes. And so, what you want is you want a Bible where scholars are published. Their name is alongside. I was on this committee, um, and and if there's a discrepancy in a legitimate Bible, it will give you a little like letter A and you go down and it say a secondary interpretation could be and they'll mm, and they'll put that in there. That? So that's a legit translation. So what that means is let's say there's a the 10 person committee and eight people said A and two people said B. They don't just pretend that nobody said B, they put it down below and so mm. okay it could it could mean this. Because you know languages, the Greek language specifically is very precise. Hebrew's slightly more challenging shouldn't say slightly a lot more challenging. <laughs> yeah. It's why we use Greek for medical terms because it's very, very precise. Um, which God knew that that's why He came at the time when Greek was the language of the world, and He published His, uh, His book in Greek. You know, a lot of uh, Muslims will say, "Well, the Scriptures were written in Hebrew and then translated into Greek." That's just not true. It was, it was, it was written in Greek. The earliest manuscripts were all Greek, and so there's a reason for that because hardly that hardly, hardly any Jews would even be able to read it in Hebrew. So, so there nice. you go. Yeah.
0: Okay, I misspoke earlier because this is Anne from Redlands. So we have a little shout-out to Redlands here. Oh, hey. Um, it says, you focused on physical health. I am dealing with recent diagnosis of dementia, a.k.a. Alzheimer's disease. My life has drastically changed horribly. Have you ever considered a support group for those struggling with this disease process and those who care for and love them and how to sustain themselves?
1: Yeah, so she's battling
0: Yes, it says, I am dealing with a recent diagnosis.
1: Oh, man, I'm so sorry. So we're going through that with my family Mm -hmm. as well. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I got a a sweet text from my dad this morning just sharing with me how he's struggling so mightily with this illness. And, you know, he's frightened by it, which I think we all are. Um, So I I just want to say I'm sorry um you know i i would love to have all kinds of support groups here's the challenge that the church is facing so you're facing this issue uh this crisis of dementia the church is facing an issue of a lack of volunteerism it is an epidemic mm-hmm. and it's a huge problem and so while i would love to wave my magic wand and say we're going to have a group for every crisis a group for every struggle i can mm-hmm. barely get people to volunteer in church on sundays to do kids to do parking lot to do greeters i can barely get people into groups mm-hmm. much less To lead a group, and so I, I I would love this if there's somebody that's willing to go through group training.
0: I was going to say if someone's listening and or in your family and they want to do that, we could help set that up. But we we need people to come forward to lead those. Yeah,
1: I can't, I cannot run the church without volunteers, and and I realize everybody listening to this is like, uh, you know, but that's just the our culture has shifted, and we just don't volunteer. We like to show up, Mm -hmm. and so that puts two pressures, pressures on the church. It means I have to hire more people. So what's the other thing? Well, the church is all about money. Well to hire people, I have to raise more money. So it, it's this double-edged sword that's a challenge for the church. And so the more volunteer labor we have, the less we have to pay employees. And then, you know, you have the whole Carl Lentz story where you had these volunteers that felt used and, man, if any, if any volunteer at Sandals feels used, quit. We don't want to use people. We want to inspire people to serve God. Well, and so, you to
0: use it, yeah. the gifts that you've been given.
1: yeah, I mean, my goal is that. when you and I retire, we're going to serve the church for Absolutely. free. I mean, we're, we're going to work here for free. And because this isn't a job, this is our calling and we love the mm-hmm. local church. We love God. And, you know, you think about what you and I did last weekend, we were at another church plant in Orange County. We were there. How many hours were we at that church?
0: Um, well, I was there two days. Yeah, I was there. So, I was there you two were there two days too. Yeah. I there, and so. and not only
1: did we, did we go and volunteer to be there, but we gave money to another church yeah. that's struggling. And because we believe in what they're doing. I shouldn't say they're struggling. They have, they have some vision. I don't want to say and that. We they're, want to support. And we yeah. want to support that. It's not my church, but it's the Lord's church. It has mm-hmm. a different name, different pastor, um, even a different denomination and historical background, but it's a beautiful church. And so we gave money doing to them.
0: things in yeah. That area. Yeah.
1: And I wish, yeah, I wish more no Christians Sandals
0: church right there. So yeah, I wish mm-hmm. there, even if there
1: was, I still would support it. Cause I think, I think Mark has uh, an incredible, mm-hmm. incredible vision. I'm, I'm talking about Mark from Oceans Church in yeah, uh, South he, Orange County. Great dude.
0: Um. So Anne, um, we're so sorry about that. And we will be thinking of you because we are thinking on this topic more and more as our own family is going through this. So um, yeah. And if you are listening and you, Have gone through this or, and you want to support a group, please reach out to the church and we can help facilitate, we can help you know how to run a group, but you have what it takes to be able to support people going through this. So, Okay. Next question is from not Anne, but Annie from Riverside. She says, is it okay to beg God for something? I'm not doing the whole conditional thing saying like, if you do this for, for me, God, I'll do this for you. I'm looking at my feelings. I'm looking at the facts. I'm reading God's word. I'm looking at the worst, the best and most likely outcomes. Due to the worst and most likely outcomes that are neither in my favor here on earth, is it okay to beg God for his
1: best? Of course. I that would is say is keep such begging. Well written question. Yeah, I would say absolutely. I mean, mm-hmm. anybody that's not begging God for the best is a fool. <laughs> I don't know I don't know why you would pray for yeah. the most likely. I mean, the most likely is what? what's most likely going to happen anyways so i would pray for the best and against the worst that that that's mm-hmm. how i would pray every time but just understand this life can be terrible life can be unfair um people can be awful um mm-hmm. you know we were we were praying with that new church planner couple and i he said any words of wisdom i said yeah i said people suck but god is good because people can be really really hard and you know some of our deepest wounds have come from partners in ministry mm-hmm it's man, you know, but the Lord in his sovereign wisdom allowed us to suffer from people mm-hmm. and that's okay. So he's, he's allowed people to hurt us, gossip us, slander us, you know, do all, okay, well I have to, to rise above that and, and trust that God has his best interest in mind. And so part of his best interest is my suffering in that category. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some suffering that, that just, you know, doesn't make sense. It's like after nine 11, when those people were jumping out of the buildings, you know, people, you know, put your Romans eight twenty eight sign away. You know, yeah, I was
0: like, "Wow, that really brought us down." In yeah, because there there are I some. That was your point. <laughs>
1: there are some things that are so evil in this world mm-hmm. that we just have to say, uh, "I got, I don't have an answer for that." We don't need to quote a cute little verse. Well, God things work works all things to good for you know mm-hmm. those who love Him and called according to His purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, acts of terror, acts of evil. These are things where we just have to go. Okay, life life can be horrendous. Life can be nasty. I think I believe the old philosopher. I learned this in college. I can't remember who said it, but um, life is nasty, brutish, and short. Um, I don't know if that was the who. Who's the guy that said God is dead? No one knows. God is
0: dead, or God is not dead.
1: No, God is dead. He was a philosopher. He hated God. Oh, Nietzsche. Yeah, yeah. Who, by the way, died of a venereal disease. So I think okay. the Lord got the, the last word. <laughs> All right. Well. Um, so life is nasty, brutish, and short. And there are just there are just things, some things about life that we we just don't understand. Um. oh, Thomas Hobbes said that. Okay, so I don't know that Thomas Hobbes is an atheist, but, uh, and if you don't know who he is, he's responsible for a lot of the ideas that created this country called America. But there are just some things that are awful and we need to be careful. You know, God has a plan. You know, you, you don't say that when somebody's kid's dead. You don't say that yeah. when a wife is getting cheated on by her Christian husband. Well, God has a plan. Well, God's plan was that your husband not cheat. That was God's plan. But your husband did what your husband training did.
0: training on how to be a good heart yeah. handler. Those so, things are the things you don't do to handle yeah. someone's heart well.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I think what she's saying is I've examined my feelings. And so, so part of this journey, what was her name?
0: Annie.
1: Annie part of this journey is you just really writing us out and working through this. And, and one of the things, uh, you know, I was telling Tammy, I said, Hey, I was reading my journal. She's like, I didn't know you ever journaled. And Had well,
0: no idea. Yeah.
1: So it was like from 15 years ago, but it was so interesting that some of the things that I struggle with today, I struggled with 15 years ago. Mm. The people names have changed. The dollar numbers have changed, you know, but the struggle is still the same. And so what I got from that was, okay, I'm not going to be completely healed of things that rack me like anxiety. Um I'm not I'm not going to be this is just something that the Lord has said okay Matt you're going to worship me and follow me and trust me with this battle of anxiety. I don't like it. I wouldn't wish it on anybody. It can be debilitating. Um you know and so like you you know that I had a tremendous fear of flying. Like mm-hmm. an overwhelm an uncontrolled fear of flying when I was I think in 5th grade a giant aircraft crashed behind my elementary school. Killed 27 people on the plane. It was, you know, in the 80s, there was no like trauma counseling. It was just like, okay, go out and play, kids, you know, while this the the field's on fire. So I just, I really internalized that. And then I had to drive by, you know, the flowers and the, you know, for, for years. And then, and then every year, because it was at Christmas time, there's this big, you know, and it was literally on my way to school. I had to drive by this field. It was, it was so bad. It was a B-52 bomber full of fuel. This thing was crazy. Um, So I I had this childhood trauma in my head. And so I kept saying, God, I'm going to serve you if you take away my fear of flying. And God just said, no, you're going to get on these planes anyways. And Mm -hmm. so because I've got to serve him in spite of my fear. And so oftentimes the negotiation, she said, I haven't made a deal. What I was trying to do is, okay, you take away my fear. And then I'm going to serve you by flying Mm -hmm. all over the world. Well, the Lord's. You know, I'm pretty sure Jesus was afraid of dying on the cross. Mm-hmm. He had to do it anyway. So sometimes we have to move forward in our fear, move forward in our disease, move forward in our challenge, in our issue, and we have to trust God anyways. And so, it you is know,
0: that tension of being where you are, trusting God, yeah. but still asking Him for where you want to be.
1: Yeah, Jesus asked. Jesus yeah. said, "If there's any other plan."
0: right now, the night before, Annie, you're actually being like Jesus. Yeah. The night before my back for that one, (laughs)
1: the night before my crucifixion, if, if there's a plan B God, I want to know about it. And so, and that's, we only discover that through prayer. Um, so here's the thing, Annie is, is I don't believe God answers unrequested prayers.
0: That's what I was going to say is God already knows your heart. He already knows what you want to ask for. So you asking for is asking is Actually, you being authentic yeah. and real with God, which is the exact thing he wants. Mm-hmm.
1: And here's the thing is, he's not going to take every pain and suffering away, but he will take some away. And so that's why we ask. And, and you know, because he's a good father and he cares for us and he loves us. He's but everyone listening needs to understand this. Even Lazarus, who Jesus rose from the dead, had to die again. Mm. We will not avoid death. It is a part of our life, it is a part of the journey, and it is a consequence of our sin. And so every human being, whether they're Mother Teresa or your grandma or your best friend, because of sin, death reigns. Mm -hmm. It is not until Christ returns that death will no longer reign. That death, the book Mm -hmm. of Revelation says, will be defeated. Death is something that needs to still yet be defeated. And so we wait for that, we long for that, we pray for that. So I would say absolutely, it's okay to beg. And what I would say is, if you want to keep begging and keep praying, um, you know, so the story I talk about in my book, and sorry to keep going back, is about the persistent widow who keeps coming to the judge and wears him down. And he doesn't care about her, but he just wants her to go away. So he answers her requests. And Jesus. We would
0: all take that kind of an yeah. answer on. But Jesus, but Jesus says,
1: look, if this unjust judge answered her request, how much more will your father in heaven who's perfect answer yours? So you. keep coming before him and, and keep mm-hmm. bringing it before the Lord. And that's the thing about being a child of God is you can come before God. You have direct access because of Jesus and you can cry out. Um, I think it's Galatians four says, we have the spirit of God. Of, um, Abba, in our hearts, and therefore we cry out as sons. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the earliest gospels. Is So when I become a born again Christian, I have God's spirit inside of me. And because of that, like Jesus, I can call God dad. Mm-hmm. And so I can come before him over and over and over again. And that's one of the unique things about Christianity is we have a unique relationship with our creator, God. There's an intimacy there because of Jesus. And so he has placed his spirit in our hearts and we can cry out. And Abba is the Aramaic word for daddy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So if you think about, a little kids first words, you know, papa. So, abba is the same, it's the same thing. And mm. so if you go to Israel with us, if we ever get to go back, you'll hear little kids abba abba abba, you know, calling okay. out their daddy. And so that's just it's a it's a special word, it's an intimate word, it's a childlike word. Mm. So.
0: Okay, great question, Annie, and um we don't know what's going on with you, but we pray for you um in whatever that ask is that it's God's will and that you will hear from him and feel his closeness. Um, okay, two more questions. This one from Jennifer from Riverside saying, I love this first part, and you and I are, are becoming experts on this question. After listening to your message, I apologize to a family member for lashing out due to emotions. We'll pause there and say good on you. Yes, That's thank you not for listening. E- that is not easy to do. However, it is, appro- is it appropriate to establish firm boundaries to safeguard my emotional well being? especially when the person I reacted to continues to be dishonest, exaggerate, complain, and maintain a negative attitude. Or do you feel I am overacting by distancing myself from someone who consistently triggers painful and challenging emotions? I already know he'll answer this because I've asked him this a million times. Go ahead. What do you have to say? Well,
1: how do you think I'm going to answer it? Not Since I you know, answer. why don't you share with the audience?
0: <laughs> I probably haven't memorized what you'll say because I. this is what I get to hear. Well, share it. Tell us. No, you go ahead. Uh, no, I want
1: to hear, hear what I would say.
0: <laughs> I think he would say, of course, it's okay and very important to establish boundaries. Yeah with a person.
1: Yeah. I think we need to remember that
0: we have to forgive, but we do not have to reconcile. We do not have to be close. We Mm -hmm. do not have to have the same kind of relationship that is okay. Yeah, And it's actually smart because it makes you sin. It causes you to sin.
1: You cannot wrong people, but you do not have to be consistently wronged against. So Mm -hmm. that's what a boundary is. A boundary says, um, you know, if my next door neighbor has a dog that keeps coming into my yard and biting me, I can I want to maintain a peaceful relationship with my neighbor, I'm gonna build a fence. And so a fence is a boundary. And what it just says is look, I've been bit by your dog now multiple mm-hmm. times. I don't want to be bit any longer. Mm-hmm. So so now if I have some wounding and some trauma I haven't dealt with and it's an imaginary dog
0: mm-hmm. that's
1: triggering me, then I have this to is my favorite part yeah, of speech. <laughs> Then I have to then I have to go do the work myself because it's not okay for me to continually be triggered. Mm-hmm. Um you know, like if you're arguing with a crazy person, who's crazy? I think both parties are. So.
0: Well, yeah. If you if you inc- continue yeah, to engage, which so, Matt's challenged me on over the years, of like, why why do you keep engaging in that conversation? Why do you keep ge- engaging in that line of thinking? You know, it's not right. You know, it's flawed thinking. You know, it's birth rooted in unhealth. Now it's not about them. It's you. You keep you always tell me you keep continuing to get upset, triggered, engage by craziness.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you, if you consistently expect a different reaction from a fool, then you're, you're the fool. It's
0: called insanity. Yeah. It's
1: called insanity. And so you, what you've got to do is just prep yourself and just say, okay, um, you know, like I have to do this all the time. If I go to a family event or I'm at a wedding, you know, people, I don't do weddings uh, anymore, but you know, when I used to do them, they always put me at the table with the craziest. Family member as far from God as it's possible. Like all our
0: friends at a table, and then Matt and I at the table with every unbeliever in the family. They're like, "Can you please, yes. Uncle Bill, to the Lord during yeah. the reception?" They're hoping my Jesus we'll, we'll will be try. contagious. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, you know, and people just, you know, people just come at you, and you know, it's difficult. Like, you know, I, I stand in the lobby um, every single weekend after church when I'm able. I think that's really, really important. But you know, I mean, I had this week somebody came up to me and just confronted me. Just, just was. You know, I, I want to be in, incredibly vague here because I don't want this person to feel upset but but just for how I had be- behaved myself and it's just like, okay, I when I go out in the lobby, people say whatever they want whenever they want, however they want and I have to smile and react and and try to handle that the best I can. But even in that, as a as a mega church pastor, I make myself incredibly um, available and it's why most mega church pastors don't mm-hmm. because you're just standing out there waiting for the paper cuts. People just come by you with the paper cut. Mm-hmm. And like I preached my heart out last weekend and and I I got more questions about the freaking plant.
0: <laughs> and this week, the office is like, Dude, are we letting that lavender die? I'd like to come pick it up. I'll nurture it back. I wish, I wish our, I wish our church, <laughs> I
1: wish our church had the same concern for souls that we do for plants. And um
0: also we are nurturing it back.
1: Yes. I know. <laughs> but geez, oh update. my gosh. It just it's you talk about. Just missing the point. So so people are hard. People are really hard. It's why we're not in small group. It's why we don't want to serve at church. It's why people don't go to church. And People say this all the time. Oh, I got hurt by the church. No, you got hurt by people. Just what are their names? Write it down. People are people. You know, uh, we have idiots here at Sandals Church too. Fortunately, sometimes it's me. Sometimes it's our staff. So that's just the, that's just the reality.
0: Uh, it's because we're human. Yes, and we're
1: sinners. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, what we should be quick to do as as Christians is not to make excuses or explain, but to say, you know what? My emotions got the best of me. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Please forgive me. And then move forward. But for most of us, you know, we just lie. Oh, you know, I would never do that. Okay. Like you're Jesus. We 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 all do it. And so, so yes, I think it's it's okay to have boundaries, but I would get a third party where you talk about the situation and you invite them to challenge you. Cause here's what happens: usually we share with people and we just kind of vomit and everybody goes, Oh, but who's the person that that is given permission to push back? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, what specifically are they saying? Okay, how do you need to grow so you can handle this situation? Because you've just you gave a couple of words negative. Well, I get it. I don't like hanging around super negative Mm -hmm. people either. I get that
0: dishonest, exaggerate, complain, negative.
1: Yeah. So, this is a challenging person in your life. So, 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 what I would say is, what do you need to do to grow? Um, Because there's a difference between challenging and abusive. Mm-hmm. So if it's an abusive person, you create a boundary. Or
0: annoying. annoying yeah, or, yeah, or annoying.
1: You know, <laughs> like there was this girl at our church a couple months ago and she was feeling pressured by a Christian family to, al- to allow her father who sexually molested her to walk her down the aisle. And I just said, let me set you free from that. I was like, your whole family can hate me. They can write blogs about Samuel's church. I was like, I'll walk you down the aisle. Your, your, da- your, your dad sexually molested you? He doesn't even deserve to be at the wedding.
0: Mm-hmm. Like he
1: doesn't even get an invitation. I'm sorry. You know, the Christians that advised her well, we need to have grace. I'm like, I'm going to give you some grace. Come here. So, Ooh, Now so, you
0: guys got him going. Yeah,
1: so so if it's abuse, <laughs> now we got to be careful because now we live in a culture where everything's abusive. Yes. Okay, some things are annoying. Annoying is not abuse. Personality is not abuse. Negativity is not abuse.
0: Even being offended. Yeah, even being offended is, is not
1: abuse. So, because that just, that takes away from the people in our church who are nursing real wounds. Mm-hmm. And, and there are some people in our church that have undergone enormous stuff. I have stressed out days. I've never been abused. It's not happened to me. I've had, I've had some, I've had some terrible experiences, mm-hmm. but for the most part, God has really, really blessed me. I had two parents that love me, raised me in church, taught me right from wrong. Okay. Not perfect parents, but but great parents. So I'm blessed. I still have bad days. I get irritated by people and, you know, that happens. So so I would just say really, really pray into that, really, really seek God's will. And in the end, it's okay to have a boundary. And why do I know that? Because when we go to the last chapter in the Bible, the kingdom of heaven, the new Jerusalem. Guess what? It has a boundary. Mm. There are walls all around it, and what it says is the dogs and the cowards and the the unbelievers will not get in. It's yeah, because the
0: question is kind of either or, and I would say it's and both. Yes, you need to be- have a boundary because it's like, can I have a boundary, or am I overreacting? I do think what you're saying is yes, have a boundary, and it's not or. Um, figure out. Why does this consistently yeah. trigger you? What what about those things? What's it bringing up in you that maybe you need to grow in, have more grace for, deal with? But it's probably and both.
1: Yeah, it's a good word. Um,
0: I actually, this is a great, I mean, I could have written this question. And about a year ago, I read a book. I'm like, everybody I know needs to read this book. So I'm going to promote a different book than yours. Yeah, it's fine. I know what you're going to say. As, Unoffendable. As, no. No. Lisa Turker's book.
1: Oh, on, How to Forgive um, When You Can't Forget.
0: On boundaries, yeah, yeah, um, is that that? No, it's not how to give when you forgive when you get. It's, oh. it's boundaries. Okay, um, and she has such. What is? Can you look up what that the name of that book is? Um, for her boundaries book because it's not just called boundaries. That's like Cloud and Townsend, but Lisa Turkhurst, who is a believer, a Christian author, wrote a book on boundaries. I've listened to it five times on Audible. Um, recommended to both my girls, several women in our women's ministry for it. it. It just, it gave me language to put to myself, which has helped me actually know how to establish, establish boundaries and not walls or cells mm-hmm. because a, a boundary gone wrong actually creates a cell that you live in, mm-hmm. not that keeps other people out. So we'll get the name of that book. Good Boundaries, Good boundaries and Goodbyes. That is one of the best books I have ever written. Uh, read in my, Mm. um, adult life. So I highly recommend you read or listen to that. Um, and okay. So she also has a couple follow-ups where would you like us to comment for our pre-orders? okay yeah if you could go to the debrief podcast or youtube channels or any of the socials for the debrief and comment Mm. that you got it that would be just it's actually just so encouraging for matt i'll say that from across the room from him it just really encourages him this was such a labor of love to put out for our church and for the christian community as a whole and for non-believers to know that there is a hope mm. that they are desperate for, but may not know where to look for. So when you comment, that's just such a great way to just support the message of this. Okay. Last question. Ron from Texas. I said they were all from Riverside. I don't yeah. know what I, I don't know what you're thinking either. Ron from Texas says, Hey Texas. Um, you talked about Israel choosing between Syria and Egypt, which to support in an upcoming battle. And Jerry uh, and Jeremiah 17 responding, don't choose men, choose God. It seems like the battle was in 1274 BC and Jeremiah lived in 600s. Am I missing something?
1: No, I just misspoke. So, um,
0: and that's that answer. Yeah.
1: So, so what I said is Syria. There's what he's saying. There's no nation as Syria. So, there are the Assyrians. And so, that's where oh. the name Syria comes from. And so, their capital was Nineveh. But in uh, Jeremiah 17, I just misspoke they were being invaded by Nebuchadnezzar and so they were what they were trying to do is king Zedekiah or Zing, king joke uh, Johikam jo- Johikam I don't know how to say it Jo, jo- um I don't have the hebrew in front of me so they're not exactly sure which king was in charge when that prophecy was made ultimately Zedekiah gets his eyes gouged out and all of his kids Ooh. killed in front of him by king Nebuchadnezzar that It's pretty it's pretty brutal um and what the jews ultimately went through um you know in that time was was horrific And, um, you know, they, they were, the Jews have been, you know, um, taken out of their land multiple Mm -hmm. times over thousands of years. You know, we talk about the, you know, the whole Israel-Palestinian issue and, um, you know, and part of that tension is right, you know, Palestinians have been there, but the Jews, you know, have historical lineage, you know, Mm -hmm. and whose land is it? And so it's a tough thing. So, so I just misspoke. And so what was happening is Nebuchadnezzar was coming in. And so the prophets were telling the King, oh, we're going to be fine. Mm. And so what God is saying is that they're not prophesying because of me. They're just men. They, they've, they've forsaken me. And then some, the king was saying, well, Egypt has our back. So we're going to be okay. So when, when Nebuchadnezzar comes, Egypt is going to come and save us. And God says, why would you put your trust in flesh? And so I just okay. misspoke. So Syria is to the north, but the, the Assyrians are Nineveh. But actually in this time, it wasn't even the Assyrians. I just misspoke. It was the Babylonians, specifically King Nebuchadnezzar, and he's coming for them. So.
0: Um, to your credit, you do hold a lot of random yeah. historical facts up in the head of yours. Yeah, so, no, thanks for paying some much attention. Every I, once yeah. in a while, you, you get a little mixed up, but it is rare. So I'm kind of sitting over like, wow, you usually he is crazy about his facts and details. It yeah. always impresses my children and I. Yeah,
1: I mean, my style of preaching, and so just so everybody knows, I don't preach from a manuscript. I just don't. And so it allows me to be more free flowing, but the the negative side of not preaching from a manuscript is, I mean, I guess you could misread something anyways mm-hmm. in a manuscript, but um, it you, is you, you tend memory. to make, you tend to make yeah. more mistakes. And so um, I, and I preach before a live audience. And so it's a, it's a, it's a challenging thing to do and that, that stuff just happens. Mm-hmm. So I just made a mistake. You're not wrong. I was
0: wrong. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you for listening to this week's episode. You know that you can always submit your questions anytime to move. slash ask. Or go to the Sandals Church app and we will talk to you next time.
1: Bye, guys. Love you. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. My book, Every Day a Miracle, comes out March 5th. Please pre-order today. It is a book about a journey towards trusting God who heals inside and out.
0: Thanks for watching the episode.